Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 14 of the Bashamania podcast. I am your host, Justin Bash, and the parade of NCAA champions continues. Today, the conversation is with 2019 NCAA champion at heavyweight, Anthony Kassar. Kassar has a fascinating story of overcoming and finding success. You're definitely going to want to stick around to the end of this episode and hear everything this kid has to say. And guys, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoy the podcast, please follow, leave a five-star review on Apple, subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow us on social media. It's at Bashamania on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can join the conversation. With that said, let's start the show. It's Bashamania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do? What Bashamania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Anthony Kassar, how are you? Doing great. What's going on? It, you know, it's it's been a big day. It's funny knowing we were recording today, and then about four o'clock, I see breaking news: Kyle Snyder signs yeah. with the NLWC, and I'm like, "Well, that's interesting. <laughs> like, that's good time." Did you know about this? Uh, I heard like whispers here and there um, that he was, you know, thinking about it, but wasn't really till when you guys found out that I found out for sure. Yeah. So that's got to be exciting for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, anytime I get we got we got a great uh, you know series of different feels in the room, but anytime I get another big guy in there, especially one of his caliber, I'm I'm freaking pumped. I know. Same. I'm like, man, Penn State has just between you, Nickel, Taylor, Connell, Cal, Varner, like the the amount of heavyweight talent in that room now is is just nuts, and that's got to mean a lot for you because like. Well, we'll kind of dive in talking about it, but like, because I want the Anthony Kassar story. I'm fascinated by it. Like, <laughs> you, you are, you're such a, a high level wrestler, but you have such a unique story in that in high school, you enter the Jersey State tournament once and win it. As a senior in college, you enter the NCAA tournament once and win it. And mm-hmm. you win the tournament, avenging your only loss. And you beat the top two kids. So it's, it's not like you just had a weak weight class and you beat a few kids. Like you beat the number one, the number two, and guys that were heavily recruited and touted to be the champion. So yeah. let's get started talking about that. What is it like both in high school and college to go out on top? And I say go out on top because I know you have another year left at Penn State. Yeah. But if you didn't, you were able to go out on top after years of like grinding. You had nothing yeah. easy. You weren't like a heavy favorite. You fought. And I think in college, especially, 
I think people were a bit turned on to you after you beat Colin Moore and Rec Hall. Like that mm-hmm. was the match that just I'm thinking of the picture right now, the, like the sideways profile shot of you just <laughs> yeah. celebrating. Yes, I know you know the shot. <laughs> yeah, so, I was a little skinnier back then, but it's still, it's still a good picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you're from Jersey, by the way. When your first yeah. thought is, I wasn't as swole as I am now. Yeah, exactly. So, so tell me what it's like for both high school and college to to be able to finish like that. Um. Yeah, I mean – Starting off my careers in both high school and college, I felt kind of behind the curve uh, growing up. I you know, wasn't one of those kids that had come from the best wrestling town where I was wrestling in high-level tournaments since a young age and you know, training in the offseason and doing all that. Um, so you know, when we started the program uh, in my town, it was my family and a couple other families uh, around, so we didn't really know much. And so that was kind of my you know, getting into wrestling was uh, just a fresh start with a fresh town that really didn't have a base yet. So um, throughout middle school and leading up to high school, I was really just doing that. And then in the off season, it was kind of here and there training. Yep. Uh, so when I so when I got to my to be a freshman in high school, um, you know, I was kind of starting from scratch. And uh, you know, I had I've, I've been around the sport for a while, but uh, there's just different levels to it, as yep. you know. So uh, sophomore, junior year of high school, uh, in between those two years, is when I you know had a somewhat success after my sophomore season and realized, you know, I could get good at this if I start doing the right things and start putting in the work. And so that's when I joined uh, Ronald Wrestling Club with Mike Malinconico. Um, and he kind of helped me, you know, train actual wrestling as opposed to just yeah. double legs. <laughs> Having fun, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so his, his ultimate goal was to try to make me uh, a, a slick wrestler because I would just, you know, go full meathead on, on guys. Uh, and so he helped me make that transition over, set my goal of being a state champ for my senior year. And, uh, I just missed qualifying for it the junior, junior season by one match and walking off the mat. Um, that's when I just, something clicked in my head. I walking off the mat, I saw my family, I saw the, the few fans I had and I just like, I just felt something. I loved seeing them. I loved seeing them cheer for me. I, I hated the, the feeling of letting them down. And I just felt the, you know, the potential of what I could bring to them and, and the pride I could bring to myself. And to, and, and, and to my God. So um, that kind of clicked that moment. And I've been on a path ever since where I set goals and I, and I do my best to, to get there. So that's what kind of led to that, that final achievement my senior year of winning states was just being clear on, on what I wanted and uh, aligning my life accordingly. And then coming to college, same type of thing. I, I got to college, you know, with a bunch of guys, highly recruited, four or five time state champs. I'm a one-time state champ. And, uh, you know, kind of overlooked and um, knew I wanted to go to Penn State because I knew that I had to catch up. And the easiest way to get something done is to surround yourself with people that are currently doing it or have done it. Um, So I did that. And then since that day, five years ago, it's just been, you know, an onward uh, grind of just trying to catch up and and improve and uh, pass people up by being more committed and working harder and and, uh, wanting it more. And so that's kind of led me to where I am today and uh, ultimately achieving that goal five years later is just a testament to uh, what I like to call grit and uh, just passion and perseverance for uh, a long-term goal, which I I feel like God's blessed me with a great deal of. And uh, I think that's the main reason why I was able to, you know, achieve those goals down the line. There's so many. I feel like 
this could be like a three-hour Joe Rogan podcast, and I'm not going to do that to you. But there's so many like golden nuggets in what you're saying. I want to try to break down a few of them. Um, num- the the first thing that catches my 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 mind is when you you see that what was it sophomore year? You saw your family, your friends, mm-hmm. and you say, "Okay, I I see the potential. I see this." A lot of people see that they don't go out within a year or two and win. Like mm-hmm. th- there's people, I mean, I wrestled in high school. I was no good. I wanted to win. I just, yeah. I, I couldn't ever get to that, that step. What is it that let you get to that next level? Is it anything specific or is it just a matter of let me try to work harder and harder and see what develops? Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into uh, that last 10 years, but yeah, to what you're saying that, that moment, um, I think I realized, uh, you know, like I said, for my town, that was a big thing that I was that match away from going to states. You know, we had maybe a handful of state qualifiers. Um, So seeing what I did there with the amount of work I was putting in, it just kind of like a a flip uh, switch to my head where I was like, all right, if I could do that to get here, then I know that if I do everything right and seek out the right, you know, uh, setting and coaches and everything that I could do even more. And so that was kind of like where, where my head was at. And then how do you, it, it's always interesting too, from a Christian standpoint, because so many times people think I got to do more. I got to do more. But when you're a Christian, you realize I got to let God do more and I got to do less, which is interesting yeah. because in wrestling, like you have to do everything humanly possible. You can to give a hundred percent. But at the same time, you got to give that to God afterward and say, okay, you bless this. You do what you want. Is there a level that you've had of just surrender and submissiveness after you put in the work? Or what's it like when you – even the the switch can flip and so many people still don't see that success. Is yeah. it a level of just trust and faith that once you've put the work in, you know the rest will fall into place? Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of a philosophical question that I've kind of gotten into and struggled with over the past few years. Sure. Um, just, you know, it's, it's a very deep question, you know, what, what sense of control does God have in our lives and what, right. what is his, you know, position in our lives? I had many, you know, deep conversations with my father about that after my, um, struggles making the, the starting spot, uh, in the starting lineup at Penn State. So, uh, yeah, to a certain extent, I feel like I have complete control over what's going to happen in my life um, to a certain extent. So if I set a goal, I have the power to make that goal um, possible and to achieve that goal. And that's what got me um, to win that state title and um, has helped me to win a national title as well. To that point, um, you know, there's so many things outside of my control as well. And to that, I leave up to God. And I trust in him and I, and I want to, you know, pursue my goals in accordance with his will and try to be, uh, you know, witness to him as I do it. Um, so in that, in that sense, it's a, you know, synergistic relationship, but, um, when it comes down to it, uh, what I've learned is that, you know, my, my, uh, life is in my power and, uh, you know, I have the power to, to create it. And you also seem like you have a lot of fun doing what you do. And I feel like that's a struggle for a lot of people too. You know, I've been since yeah. Cal went to Penn State, I've been blessed to hang out in the Penn State room and, and I see how much fun it is. 
And for me, it's yeah. like second nature because that's the only college room I've ever been in is Penn State. Mm-hmm. And if that's all you see, that's not a fair assumption of what goes on in <laughs> collegiate wrestling because yeah. it's like you talk to someone like Spencer Lee and it's like he's talking about mental tough Tuesdays or whatever it is. It like yeah, yeah. Th- there's like a th- there's a different focus where it's more you need to be mentally tough. And it's no different at Penn State. You need to be mentally tough, but at the same time, you're having fun. Have you always had fun with what you do, or is that something you started doing more of at Penn State? Or like, what what progression has fun played into that throughout your career? Yeah, um, it was never really something that I acknowledged until people were pointed out at Penn State all the time. You know. Penn State has fun. Penn State does this and that, um, which is kind of just like, like you said, like it's second nature to us. And I think that's a testament to the coaching staff and, and who they recruit. Um, they just recruit guys that they know love wrestling and yep. um, have that inner motivation and passion for themselves where it's not like we're going to have to like force you to do this and make you run because we need to get, make, make you get tougher. Like I have all that inside of me and like that's what got me to Penn State in the first place is – I just, I just wanted to be the best and I was enjoying what I was doing. I had I have a passion for it. So, um, it's kind of just, you know, rolled into what I do. I enjoy, uh, the hard days. I enjoy lifting. I enjoy eating. I enjoy the entire process of it. So it's like, that's fun to me, but it's not like I'm, you know, as, as I'm doing it, I'm like, Oh, like this is so much fun. It's just like kind of rolled into it. If that makes sense. No, it does because it, it's the cliche saying of you have to enjoy the process, not the destination. And it's mm-hmm. always harder, I feel like, to say that until you're at the destination and you can say, yeah. I- I've enjoyed the journey. Otherwise, mm-hmm. like people are so dead set on, on whatever their goal is, whatever their destination is, that they can't enjoy it because they're robbing themselves yeah. of that joy. And I feel like if you've had heartache, like I'm curious... The, the next thing I'm curious about is your biggest heartache in wrestling. But I feel like a lot of people, like, once you hit that level of, okay, I won a state championship. Okay, I won an NCAA championship. You, you've had, like, the, the release of that tension and stress of mm-hmm. not winning. And it's like, okay, I'm not yeah. winning. I'm not winning. State title won. Okay, I'm not winning. I'm not winning. I'm not making the squad. NCAA championship, I won. I'm yeah. curious at... How do you keep that in focus through those years of, like you said, you had a conversation with your father when you're not making the squad. Yeah. How do you overcome that? Because I'm sure, like, especially people listening to this, I we were talking about this before we started recording. I'm blessed that I have conversations with so many high-level wrestlers. Everybody mm-hmm. I talk to is an NCAA champion. So for me, it's like they're they're an NCAA champion, they're a world champion, there's Olympic the champion, right? Yeah. But they're but wrestling is such a such a sport where there's a lot of heartache. Like and and you're no stranger to it because oh, yeah. Jersey State tournament has to be the toughest state tournament in the country mm-hmm. by far. We had a scrap life booth, and I've been there the last like three years, and I and I won't mention certain guys, but I've seen guys like basically yeah. pick up garbage cans and launch them <laughs> yeah. because of heartbreaks. Like, I see it. How do you overcome that heartache and keep everything in focus and not just say, okay, I, I, I'm not making the Penn State squad. Maybe I'm not good enough. Or I haven't, I didn't qualify for the Jersey State tournament. 
I'm I'm one match short. Like, how do you overcome that hump of that mental toughness to say, I didn't accomplish, like, not accomplishing your goal is like a slap in the face every time. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. a lot of, like, especially wrestlers, and I'll include myself, like, we're sick in the head. When we don't get something yeah. we want, it motivates us. But it's also easy to throw the towel in and say, maybe I'm not good enough. How do you yeah. overcome that and then... Like it, it's fascinating because I, I haven't talked to anybody who has overcome it in such a fashion. Like you didn't just overcome it and make the Jersey State tournament. You didn't just overcome it and become all American. Like you show up one time in the state tournament, one time for the NCAA tournament, and as, as a marketing guy, I'm already thinking like, okay, here's the website: uh, one Jersey State tournament, one Jersey State championship. One NCAA tournament, one NCAA championship, one Olympic trials, one Olympic championship. Like you, yeah. you, you, you see that turning. Exactly. But what what is it that that you focus on to, to make sure that afterwards, after the heartbreak, you set yourself up for future success? Yeah, um, yeah. So in high school, after that that uh, junior season, as I mentioned. That was a little different because I had a sense of, you know, what I was doing to prepare and then what happened. So I knew exactly, you know, what I need to change. Um, so it was like, all right, I, I enjoy doing this and I was, you know, close to reaching one of my goals. But now I know that if I do all of this, I will achieve my goal. So that motivation was pretty quick. You know, the next day I was back at it. I want to win states. And from there on, that was my goal. When I got to college, uh, my first heartbreak was uh, my first shoulder injury at uh, Junior Worlds. Uh, So after that, I got surgery and my first injury. So kind of new to me. I was like, all right, I'm going to come back. So you never got injured through like high school or anything? No. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to come back even stronger. You know, people get injured all the time. I was in the quarterfinals winning in the Junior Worlds, you know, so I was doing well and um motivated to get back and that was fairly fairly it was new but fairly easy as well in terms of what i needed to do to get better then when things started getting really tough is when my first tournament back from that injury i tore my shoulder my second match uh again so uh tore, tore everything my shoulder once again so that's when you know those questions started coming up where you know why why god this why god that um, what, what can I take from this if I just did this whole eight months process to learn from this and now I'm back at square one. So that was, that was the, the first, you know, real heartbreak where I was confused and, you know, didn't understand, um, what was going on and how I was going to use this as a, as a growing point. So once I started doing all that, uh, surgery, rehab and everything and, uh, that's when those, you know, those questions and, and, and conversations started coming up with my father before that. And, uh, to that point, it was just, you know, I had to be very clear on, I'm either going one way or the other. So, right. you know, my, the doctors were telling me that one more surgery and my shoulder's done for my career. Uh, and, uh, so it was either, you know, go all in, get my shoulder, uh, healthy, take as long as I can. And continue on this path that I feel like I was I was born to put uh, to, to to be on and that I'm passionate about, uh, or you know take take it take an alternate path, and that 
question and that debate, um, you know, for me was, was pretty simple. And to that, I think that, you know, God just put that in me that, you know, I have a passion for the sport and I feel like I was, I was born to, to, to do it, to be a champion and, uh, a champion for him. So, um, that's where, you know, I, I, that's what I relied on is, is that feeling inside me and, um, you know, just that knowing that, you know, this is the right thing and this is just another obstacle I have to, have to, to, to learn from and improve on. And that led me up until from that point on, I was doing everything right, uh, preparing to come back even stronger. And that led me to the next heartbreak where uh, I didn't make the uh, starting lineup and um, lost my spot uh, going into the, to the uh, Nationals at 197. Yep. So... And so that's another another time where I was confused and uh, heartbroken, and um, you know, when you're doing everything right and you feel like you don't understand the reason why this is happening, you can't think of a logical one. It's a very hard thing to deal with. And so I, under, I understand why most people, you know, would call it quits or, or, or go a separate way. But um, like I said, I, I, I for me, it's just that's just not really in me. And I think that's also a testament to the way, the way I was raised. Uh, my father, my grandfather you know, quitting was never really an option and, and hard work was, was the thing we relied on. So, um, that's just kind of in my nature. And, and, uh, once again, thought back to, to what I wanted. And, and, uh, like I said before, if there's something that, you know, you're doing wrong or that you have to change, it's fairly easy to, to, to acknowledge that and, right. and then, and, and have the motivation to move on. Yep. When you can't really think about anything you need to change or you're doing wrong, it's right. a much harder you know, much harder situation. And that's, that's the situation I was in for my second surgery and for that, that when I lost the, uh, the starting spot and, uh, for those situations, um, you know, I think it's just a decision. It's just, you know, I need to continue doing what I'm doing and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to use this, uh, as an opportunity to be the reason why I achieve my goal and not the reason why I don't. So in those moments I was thinking, you know, all right, 10 years from now, I could look back and, you know, be telling people that I didn't achieve my goals because I had two shoulder, shoulder surgeries and a third one could have ended my career. And then I lost a starting spot, you know, all this stuff. And, and they would have been fairly good reasons to why I didn't achieve my right. goals. Or I could have said, you know, looking back 10 years later, I could say I had the shoulder surgery. It made me want it even more. It made me, made me grateful to be able to practice, made me grateful to be able to compete, uh, made me grateful just to be alive and, 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 you know, just to pursue my passions and, and, uh, and then for, and, and for, uh, the, the, the losing the starting spot, same type of thing. Uh, I used that as motivation, um, to continue doing what I was doing and to go to my, to my more natural weight class and to use all those different things yep. to be, you know, factors into why I ended up achieving my goal. And I, and I, I like that story a lot more than the, the previous one. And so that's what, you know, kind of helped me get through that. And it's interesting too, because, you know, I remember it's weird. I, I listen to interviews post-match all the time. If like I see them on Twitter or flow or whatever, and it's always weird. The little one-off things that stick with me. And I remember Bader interviewing you after you won NCAAs this year. And you said that you're going to wake up and go on a gratitude walk. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but that just stuck with me. Because like when I, when I wake up, I wake up at like 4.30 or 5 every day. And the days mm-hmm. I walk my dog when I wake up, and I'm usually praying on the walk. I'm thinking about my day. I usually have a better day. 
it, it's mm. wild. So I could it resonated with me as soon as you said that, and it got me thinking that I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, but I'm assuming you're. It's a daily commitment to what you're doing that it's not like, let me just grind for three weeks, then evaluate it. It, it yeah. seems like based on the little things I've heard here and there and what you're telling me now is it's an everyday thing of acknowledging where you're at, what you're doing and committing to committing to the little things to say, okay, I'm doing everything right. I'm still not there. It's really having faith mm -hmm. and trusting the process. There's so many times yeah. where it's like, okay, listen, I don't understand this, but I know doing the right thing is always the right thing. So sometimes like I had absolutely no success in wrestling. I think I was like fifth place. JV was like the highest <laughs> I ever placed. Like I've never had any success, but I, but I can look at it from a business success and say, yeah. okay, I didn't know that doing this every day for three years would lead to that. And it's easy to look back, but it's hard to, when you're in the struggle, to trust the process. Is that something you worked on? Or was that something that's just how you're raised? Like, what led you to taking a gratitude walk every day? Like, I think that's fascinating. I'm just curious, yeah. like, what led to that? Um, yeah, I think it was partially you know, how I was raised. Uh, Raised in a very faith-based family. My father was an uh, Orthodox priest growing up, and I was very active in the church with him. Um, so there's a lot of lessons that I drew from that. Uh, but yeah, it, like you said, it's a, it's a daily process for me. So I listen to a lot of podcasts like this one. Uh, I do a lot of reading, um, and uh, I expose myself to a lot of people that I respect and that I um, you know, feel like have something or, or represent something that I feel like I want to have or represent as well. And so that's, you know, gratitude's kind of come through that. And, and then the main thing um, with that specific topic is that's, you know, one of the main thing our coaches uh, preach is gratitude. So uh, I've been trying to incorporate that in my life uh, for a long time now. And in the morning, like you said, it's a great time to just start your day off the right way and, you know, start it with prayer and gratitude and you'll see the effects of it throughout the day. And um, so, yeah, that's just, you know, coming from exposing myself to different information. And how long has that been? Was that like a Penn State thing where you started focusing on gratitude, or was that even younger? Um, yeah, I think specifically gratitude uh, has been since I, I came to Penn State. I've, I've always been, a, uh, I would say, a grateful person um, naturally. I've uh, been very fortunate and blessed So uh, in that way, yeah. But, yeah, Coach Kale definitely pointed it out to me that that was, uh, you know, a main you know, area of focus that deserved, uh, deserved to be. And, and it's funny too, being a grateful person and practicing gratitude are different. Like, do you know who Gary V is? Yeah. yeah. So I met him a few weeks ago. Okay. And he, I remember like I, I was in New York city or New York city, getting my fiance's, um, ring sized. We we're coming back from Jersey mm -hmm. and I got an opportunity cause I, bought his wine and long story short I got invited to like a wine launch party so I'm there he walks in and I knew for months I was gonna have this opportunity to finally meet him and I've thought about like because he, he's such a genius and he's in my space of marketing yeah and I've thought for years if I give five minutes with this guy what would I ask him and I never knew I just kind of left it open like mm. god if, if this happens and I can meet someone who's in my space who knows what he's doing and I thought all these different questions like I 
initially I always thought if I met him, I'd ask him like, okay, Gary, so I've had this marketing agency for 11 years and we do a lot of custom websites. Should I do this and that? And I've always thought about what I would ask him. And we get to the, we're at the wine launch party. He walks in. I'm like, I got to be the first guy to talk to him. So I see him walking in. I strategically stroll around like where the bar area is and all these things. <laughs> and I walk over to him. And I remember, and so I just say to him, like, listen, I, I got to, and everybody asked me what I, what I, what I asked him. So th- this is good that I'm declaring it somewhere. So <laughs> I, I, I asked him, listen, I got a question for you. And I honestly didn't even know what I was going to ask him. I said, yeah. I, I'm really curious on how you established your perspective on gratitude, because when I focus on it, I'm, I'm hooked. When, when I yeah. think about everything i'm getting married here next week i'm doing this i'm doing that business is great like when i when i sit down and think about all these things i'm pumped but how Mm -hmm. do you get to the point to where like this guy is legitimately grateful every day it's not a persona (laughs) it's not like a facade it's not like one of these tony robbins guys one of these motivational guys who are just preaching something don't believe like he's grateful Mm -hmm. And so I'm asking, like, how do you get to the point to where you're you're just grateful every day? And he says to me, "Oh, because the other thing I asked him was, he always says that like the the five or ten people closest to more healthy, so he doesn't care about anything else. If he wakes up mm-hmm. and his wife and his kids and his family's healthy, he doesn't care. He's grateful. So I'm <laughs> like, yeah, but that's great. But I I understand that. But when I lose a client or when this happens or when this guy pisses me off." It, it's hard to maintain that. How do you retain yeah. that perspective? And he asked me, he goes, how many times? And then he looks at my fiance. He goes, you guys are getting engaged. Are you guys getting married soon? I'm like, yeah. He congratulates her. Congratulates <laughs> me. And he's like, so when she's healthy, you're happy, right? And I go, 100%. He goes, how many times do you think about that? I go, I don't know, maybe like once or twice a month. Like, I don't think about it. Take it for granted. He goes, okay, so one or two. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, how many times did you think about the health of your loved ones three years ago? I said, never. He goes, yeah, zero. He's like, I've done this practice every day for years where I know if the people around me are healthy, I'm grateful for that. Gratitude is a thing you have to practice. And I'm just sitting there like, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. I'm talking to him like, first of all, this guy's a marketing genius in your space. And you're asking him about gratitude and health. And I'm like, I, I think it's just God ordained that this is what I yeah. what I asked him about. So we were talking for a few minutes about the importance of gratitude and practicing gratitude. And I think that's why when I heard you talking about a gratitude walk, I'm like, I remember literally the next day after I heard that interview waking up and I'm like, I'm, I'm going on a walk. And I'm going on a gratitude walk, like not just a normal walk. Um, so, so I think I think it's fascinating. Have you found other areas of your life that you do little things like that, where it's just those little everyday things? Yeah, um, my life is composed of of little things um, throughout the day. I'm always adding or subtracting little things here and there because that's where I've I've found my growth and success in and I think that's where most people overlook is you know and there's a quote in the Bible that uh, refers to it about you know being faithful in the little things is what 
helps you be faithful in the larger things. Yeah. And I've, I've learned that and um, felt, felt that experience over the past couple of years. And any little thing that I could try to create a habit that's going to improve me in, in some way, I'm going to you know, try to do and value uh, in my daily life. And gratitude through my coaches and through my family growing up has, has been something that I see value in and see important. And so then I try to incorporate it into my daily life and something that I could stick to and, you know, getting up and going for a quick walk and feeling good and being thankful for stuff is not yeah. that hard. And, so do and you still do that? Like, do you do that every day? Yeah. So if I'm not, uh, so most of the mornings I'm working out. Um, yeah. so I'll, I'll, I'll go do that. But, uh, if there's days here and there, probably three, probably about three days where I don't have anything in the morning and I'll do that. Uh, but if I don't get a walk in, uh, it's something just throughout the day, I'll just try to remember, you know, five things that I'm grateful for at some point throughout the day. And that's, you know, usually enough to, to spring me forward, uh, to think about more things. And then a couple hours later, I'm starting to think about even more Dude, and just kind of translate. I don't, sorry for cutting you off. I don't want to cut you off. Okay. Here, but I'm fascinated by that because a buddy of mine works for a Christian media company and he posted this thing mm -hmm. for like a week straight where he's like, just for a week straight. I want you to name three. He posted this on Twitter. I want you to name three things you're grateful for every day. And, I, and he texted me on the side about it. And I'm like, all right, I'll do this with you. Like four or five days in, I'm struggling to think. I ended up coming up with yeah. things, but like, it's tough. Like, it really, like, the first two days are like, okay, I'm grateful I'm getting married. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my company. Yeah. Next day, I'm grateful for my car. I'm grateful for my dogs. I'm grateful for the bills being paid. Day three yeah. and day four and five, like that's <laughs> tough, dude. Like, yeah. it, it seems like something that's just like one of those fluff things you do. Like, oh, just name a few things you're grateful for. No, yeah. wait till you see how long it takes. Like three, four, five, six, seven days yeah. in, and yeah. that shows us just how many you know things we're not aware of. Because that right. fifth, sixth day, you start, you start, you know, you start thinking uh, for the ability to talk and the ability to walk and. You know, uh, just little things that you would never, th you never really think about. I think that's good because you know that that starts bringing that to your attention, and then you're like, oh, well, this this guy, you know, ticked me off today, but at least I'm, I have like I have all my limbs, you know, at least I'm I'm breathing and this and that. So it just kind of like it's a different perspective when you start really thinking about things like that. Yeah, it is, and, and it takes a level of. I, I primarily see it in Christians, but it takes a level of humility constantly to maintain that because most people, yeah. whether it's on a high school level and they finally win an or a, a state championship or on a college level and they win an NCAA championship or even if it's on the Olympic level and they finally win an Olympic championship. It's hard if you achieve your goal to maintain that. And I imagine mm -hmm. you're in that place now where... I know you want world and Olympic gold and okay. State championship check NCAA championship check, like NCAA team championship check. Like you've won these things. How do you now maintain that and not get it, It's tricky and you don't even have to have to have an answer for this. I'm just proposing it. How do you maintain the gratitude for what God has already done in your life with the state and NCAA championship and remain hungry for world and Olympic gold without being like, okay, I'm not happy. I, I won this and I won that, but I'm not happy because I don't have Olympic gold. How do you maintain that balance of 
Like, I know for me, it's hard for me now. I haven't had that much success in business, but the success I've had, it's hard for me to get motivated for more because I'm like, I'm content. Like, I'm content with mm. the success I've had. I want more. But how do you take that success in humility and stay grateful for it while still staying hungry for World and Olympic gold now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think that's something that anyone who's reached any level of success has to has to balance. Yeah. Um, but to the most successful people, and like I said, I study a, a lot of those people in different fields. Um, you know, one of the things you always hear is, is them never being satisfied. And um, so I think, like you said, it's a balance. You know, I'm I'm very grateful for what I've done and for what God has uh, provided for me and, and allowed me to accomplish in my life. Uh, but you know, those things don't last anyway. So it's always on to the next thing. And, uh, I, I think it's just keeping it, keeping the right perspective on, you know, I'm, I'm motivated to continue to achieve my goals. I'm happy with what I've done so far. Uh, and I'm, and I, and I'm grateful for, you know, the little things here and there and, uh, just, you know, understanding that a lot of these things while, you know, meaningful and, 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 uh, give you purpose in life aren't going to give you ultimate fulfillment. So being able also to step back just a little bit and understanding, you know, what's going on in your life. So, um, I see my past, I'm very happy with it. I'm motivated for the future, but I'm also focused on the present of just trying to be the best I can be now. And I think it, it's, it's, it's interesting balance between all three. It is dude. Like even it, it, it's so cliche that I'm getting married next Friday and I never want to be the guy that like lets himself go once he gets married and, and gets out of shape. But at the same yeah. time, I'm all of a sudden like, I, I don't say I'm not going to the gym today because I don't care. But mm. if you're not motivated for it and you don't like push yourself for it, it's hard. It's one of the yeah. biggest struggles with where I'm at in life right now is I'm content with the business I have and I'm content with the success I have. And I'm hungry for more, but I'd say like my my focus has changed to not be like it, I feel like it was easy. And and me and Jordan Burroughs talk about this all the time. It's easy when you're not successful to stay hungry because you've yep. never had it. You want it so bad. It's yeah. so easy to be motivated. Once you've had some success in any capacity, it is so hard to either be hungry for more especially as a Christian staying humble and keeping a proper perspective of mm -hmm. you don't want to be, you know, careless about your past, but at the same time, like it's hard being the top, top dog and staying motivated and staying, yeah. staying successful. Like, are there little things you're implementing now without giving anything away? Of course, are there little things you're implementing now to carry that success on to the next level. Obviously, you want to repeat now, win another national championship. Olympics mm. are next year. Like, are you confident in your day to day right now? Confidence is not the right word because obviously you're confident what you're doing. But is there a level of just okay? I trusted the process and I won. I'm going to keep trusting the process. Or are you finding yourself trying to tweak it because? okay, that worked for that, but now everybody knows what I can do. I got to do mm -hmm. more. Like, what's that balance like to try to maintain where you've been with where you're going? Yeah, I think uh, that 
you know, I'm always trying to improve and I feel like if I'm not, then, you know, someone's going to catch me. So, uh, I'm doing, I think there's a certain amount of, you know, overall process and things that you keep throughout your life. If, if things are going well and you're achieving your goals, there's a certain amount of things that you continue to do. Um, but then there's always gotta be more that you're implementing and little tweaks here and there that you're trying to get an edge up on other people and trying to just improve your overall life. And so, yeah, for me, you know, coming off that national title, uh, it's awesome. Uh, then a week or two later, it's like, all right, I'm going to continue doing what I can do, what I'm doing, but what can I do even better and, and, and how right. can I push myself even further? So currently that's exactly what I'm doing is just trying to work a little harder, be a little more committed, add one or two more things to my daily life when I can and uh, just keep leveling up because, you know, that's why it's so hard and you see so many champions, you know, struggle to defend titles and uh, in many sports is, you know, they become sort of stagnant and then the, the, the people that are at the bottom of the hill, they have more hunger and fire and they pass them up. And so it's, you know, climbing that hill um, while you're still at the top of it, I think is, is the real, is the real question. It's, it's, I think it's the hardest thing to do in sports because you can do everything you can to win a championship and then it only gets harder because you become scouted more, you become watched more, you become more of a, you might've not been as much of a, like last year, people might've said, I'm going to train for Gable and Derek White more. Mm-hmm. Now this yeah. year, they're like, I'm training for Gable, but Kassar is the one I need to beat if I want to be a national championship. Like mm-hmm. that makes it harder for you. And I'm always, I'm always so fascinated by how you level up. Like I asked Yanni that. I'm like, dude, I don't understand you because you <laughs> like, you go to Russia and train for weeks. And then you beat Bajrang, you win another NCAA championship. And now you're still not good enough. Zane beats you in Final X. And you can't get discouraged, but you have to level up. Like, And you have to keep leveling up. And at what point, like, for somebody like him, okay, he's he's two-time national champ now, and he wants to continue going on the senior level. How do you continue leveling up on the national level, on the, on the collegiate mm-hmm. level? Like, it's a fascinating thing that I think a lot of people don't give, a, don't give enough place to because... They almost take it for granted. And the the interesting thing about your career is this is the first time you're going to repeat it because your senior year mm. in, in high school, you're done. Okay, you won it. Check that off the list. Now you're going to college. Now you go to Penn State. You, you fight through this whole, all these levels of adversity to win a Sweet. national championship just to now win it. And then you get another year and it's like, oh, wait, I can do this again. What's yeah. what's the level of how much I'm trying to think of how to word this is like it's not insulting, mm. but like what's your level of importance to win another NCAA championship now compared to saying, OK, I've done that. Now I want to win world and Olympic gold. Like, how do you balance that? Yeah, so that was uh that was the question I was dealing with most of the summer trying to figure out uh, what I was going to do. And um, ultimately, you know, what it came down to was uh, wrestling in the collegiate season is going to best prepare me uh, in my coach's eyes and in my eyes to, you know, win the Olympic trials and win the Olympic games. And so that's what my focus is on. And I'm going to win. My plan is to win, um, you know, those tournaments, nationals, trials onto my ultimate goal of becoming an Olympic champ. 
but that's not my, my, my ultimate goal. My, my ultimate goal is, you know, being at top of the podium in uh, Tokyo in 2020. And I think through that, you know, I can achieve these other goals in preparation. And, uh, yeah. so that's, that, that's kind of what, you know, what we were dealing with throughout the summer. And, uh, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a good question because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be overly focused on one thing and slack off on the other. But I feel like in this, in this scenario, uh, they're close enough in, in uh, in preparation and, and, you know, what, what we're going to be doing for them and that they kind of go together. So, um, uh, my, my ultimate goal and those kind of falling in and with it is, is, is what, uh, is where I'm at. And it's interesting to see too. Like I, I talked to guys that, and there's another thing we talked about, like I only like on the show and, and who I work with. And it's like, I feel like I only get to talk to so many national world Olympic champions that mm-hmm. it's so interesting to me to see how the perspective changes. Like, Spencer Lee was on the podcast last week, and I'm like, dude, I don't understand how you lose the Big Tens and you don't care, really, and you go out mm-hmm. with NCAAs. He's like, yeah. I don't care. Like, Big Tens yeah. isn't my goal. So if I lose, I yeah. don't get distracted by it because the ultimate goal is the NCAAs. So why would you get distracted by Big Tens? And then mm-hmm. it's kind of the place you're at now where it's like – and I think there's there's a lot to be said of somebody who, if your final goal is Tokyo 2020 – and you can wrestle a bit more freely at NCAA's that kind of frees you up to perform better cuz yeah. you're not putting more pressure on yourself to overperform in NCAA's and that seems to be what I've seen is mm-hmm. the gateway to having that continued success cuz you talk to somebody like you know Burroughs let's say who's okay he's won it all how do you stay motivated and it's like legacy you talk to somebody mm-hmm. like Taylor, and it's like, because I want to win Olympic gold. Like everybody has such a level of success, and yet they're still hungry for so much more in a different connection. That's one of those. Yeah. It's, I'm fascinated. By, like I've been saying it since the second we got on this call. Like I'm fascinated mm-hmm. from the the succession of your career. That, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if your journey was. One one state tournament, one state championship, one NCAA <laughs> tournament, one NCAA championship, one Olympic trials, one Olympic championship. Like it's just, yeah, it's weird how it worked out, but yeah, that's that ended up being the plan after uh, after I got I got to you know senior year of nationals, and I thought it was my going to be my only and last one, and I was like, this is going to be a pretty cool. Uh, line up with one and one and one if it works out that way. Are you excited now though to go like defend that throne? Like that's got to be a cool opportunity because you didn't get that shot in in high school. Yeah, yeah, no, it's gonna be. Yeah, I'm excited, and I only really had one full year of college wrestling, so it's gonna be fun to you know experience that again. And um, that yeah, that national stage is just awesome. So um, yeah, I'm excited to compete in that and the matches throughout the season, and um, you know. Every time the goal is to go out there and win, and uh, I think those those uh, scenarios are going to ultimately prepare me for my next goal and the, the next one, and it just kind of all adds up. Final thing I'm curious of, and then I'll let you go. I know your dog like wants to play and go for a walk. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, mine, mine's like right behind me. Same thing. Um, wh- what was it like after NCAA's to have all your friends like? Matt side they're like that to me was like one of the I I have the I think Tony Rotundo posted the image of like all like 15 guys surrounding like what was that like (laughs) well I thought I was gonna suffocate to death (laughs) 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 
I got off and like I just finished flexing out and celebrating. So I was trying to catch my breath, and then all of a sudden I was surrounded by these by like freaking ten guys, and I couldn't <laughs> breathe. <laughs> so I was really just trying to catch my breath, but no, it was it was awesome. Uh, it was all my brothers and my close friends up there, and um, yeah, that was like one of my favorite moments for sure because they they saw you know what I've been through since high school, and um, having to leave them was one of the hardest decisions I had to make. Was to leave Jersey, which is, you know, freaking love Jersey. So that was hard enough in yeah. itself. And, and so, you know, just kind of giving them something back to, you know, like this is why I had to do it and, and giving them, uh, you know, something to, to be happy about and, and just a testament to, to all the preparation that I put in and to, you know, have them front row and to see it live. It was just, it was surreal. It was exactly how I imagined. So, yeah, that was, that was a highlight for sure. I can't even imagine. Like I, I always too. I always ask people like the difference of as a wrestler. I feel like the ultimate goal is always to be an Olympic champion. Like anybody, mm-hmm. any wrestler would always take an Olympic championship. I won't say world championship because I know there's people that would rather have an NCAA championship over world, but uh-huh. Olympic championship is always the goal. But there is nothing like. 20,000 people in an arena like you don't have that at the olympics wrestling's a tough sport like you go to the olympics and there might be like two three four thousand people in the arena but like ncaa's is like the pinnacle of attention so it's it's so cool when i see guys when ncaa's i'm like all right now go wrestle for the olympics because you've had that like success (laughs) yeah you're not gonna have your friends in tokyo (laughs) i mean i hope so but (laughs) (laughs) i don't know your fan base seems nuts they might go to tokyo that that'd be fantastic if you can get a posse of people going to tokyo to that's the plan they're already asking me for tickets so (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's great I have all the jersey there. <laughs> <laughs> all right well listen man i i'm so grateful you took the time to to come on the show i wish you the best i'll be rooting for you i'm sure i'll see you soon in, in the state room and penn state room and all right go go walk the dog a little bit i know he's ready <laughs> thanks justin yeah it was, it was, i appreciate it thanks for having me all right man we'll talk soon what a great conversation. I'm grateful that all these champions continue to open up and be transparent about their careers, and I hope that allows you all to take away some golden nuggets from these episodes. As I started off by saying, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, YouTube. If you want to join the conversation, follow at Bashmania on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And guys, thank you again so much for tuning in to another episode. We'll be back within the next week or so with another episode. See ya. And the beat goes on.